Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I'm extremely excited about the journey that we're starting and beginning right here at the first of the new year. I'm excited about it because I know God's going to meet you in it. I want to welcome all those, our McKinney campus, Hazlitt campus, Keller campus, video venues here at the Keller campus, those of you uh, that are in those video venues. And I want to say something to all of you watching online. I know we have a lot of new people joining us online and we still have part of our milestone family that we're praying for the day that we can all be together. Would you put your hands together and welcome all those that are joining us. We're so glad that you're part of today's service. I'm really excited about where we're about to go. We're launching into a season of studying seeds. In just a moment throughout today's message, I'm gonna explain to you that uh, this is not an agricultural horticultural class. You're like, why are we talking about that? I'll show you that God's really into it. We're gonna talk about it together. But the truth is the journey that we're starting here for the next uh, few weeks, and if you're new with us, we want you to jump right in. You've come right at the right time to jump into something that's going to be very powerful. But we actually sowed some seeds this week as we fasted. I want to say how proud I am of you for fasting and praying and being flexible. And we just had a motto that we're not going to allow COVID-19 to stop us from being the church, whether online, finding ways to make space. We had all kinds of venues. We had the event center in Keller. We had a hotel in Hazlitt. We had McKinney. We had video venues. We even had an old school tent here on the Keller campus. And uh, so that's powerful. In fact, I heard about Tim and Alyssa. They signed up for the, the tent venue, the powerful tent venue showed up to that and there was a great lady there, Taylor, who was hosting them. I just love how you make people feel special, how you make people feel connected. You don't know how spiritual it is that people are having a bad week. They're showing up to church in a tent, come on. And Taylor was there to make the experience life-giving and they had recently found out that they were pregnant with a child and they were a little anxious about that. And during the prayer time is, I'm just so proud of you too for the pre-service prayer, how you're engaging. A few years ago, we're all just sitting there, you know, like the chosen frozen. Hope God does something this year, if it be thy will. But anyway, you're getting better. You're getting engaged and during the prayer time, Taylor began to pray for them. And in the middle of the prayer, she just, just kind of said, I guess God said something to her about it. They hadn't said anything to her and said, and Lord, I pray and believe that their baby's going to be great. And so they were just amazed because Tim and Alyssa were saying we were looking for church family. We, we, we can get content, but we were looking for a way to be connected. And God used that moment to connect them. And in fact, Alyssa said, well, I've heard about that in church, but I just thought it was weird people. And so thank you, Taylor, for not being weird. But how many of you know the Holy Spirit knows us and he can touch us? So that's powerful. Pam, 63 years young. Come on, everybody over 60. 63 years young had never fasted before. She said she struggles with headaches and migraines. She fasted all three days, said God met her. She's closer to Jesus than she's ever been. I just wanna say how proud I am of you. And I wanna say to every person 
If you prayed, if you fasted, if you came to a service, if you tuned in online, you were sowing seeds. You're sowing seeds towards your relationship with God. And I don't know if you've received the exact answer. I don't know if you're still searching. I don't know exactly where you're at in that thing with God. But I do know this. You never plant seeds towards your relationship with God over a few days that you don't see those seeds flourish and grow up in your life. I don't know when this year may be. It may just be that seed's been planted right here at the first of the year and it's gonna come up in some area of your life. So great job, it's been a great week. We're kicking off seeds and I couldn't help but think about just the fact that I'm preaching on something that I wasn't born with the innate desire to be good at it. You see, my dad was a pocket protector, mechanical pencil-wearing engineer, and he, he knew how stuff worked. He knew how to make stuff grow. He knew how to build stuff. He knew how to use tools. He was always just thinking, you know, Jeff, I gotta help him. I gotta teach him about stuff. I gotta teach him how stuff works. I wasn't into it that much. I was like, I just think I'm gonna talk for a living. I just wanna just talk. My daughter, Lanny Kate says, Dad, you know what you do for a living? You go to lunch. She thinks I go to lunch for a living. She thinks that's what I do with my whole life. My dad was always trying to teach me about tools, you know, and how stuff worked. And I just wasn't into it that much. And one fall day, he was in his 1970 model Ford pickup, three on the tree. Come on, somebody. Big, long clutch. He rolled the window down. Yes, he did it this way. Some of you young people don't know about that. He rolled it down. There was young Jeff standing out there. He said, when I get home, these leaves better be raked. I said, yes, sir. He drove off. I thought, I need to find a rake. I need to go. So I went out into a storage building. I got the rake out and I started raking and I realized why I don't like this kind of stuff. <laughs> Blisters were on my hands, you know. I'm thinking, this is going to take forever. I raked up a little pile and I had a thought, 13 years old, God had granted me with great wisdom. Why rake them when you can burn them, you know? I mean, why? There's a problem with that because my dad liked to grow stuff. He had a garden. He had St. Augustine grass, man, you know, East Texas shade trees. He liked to mow the grass. He liked to look at the grass. He'd come home from work and stand and water the grass. Underneath those leaves was his baby. St. Augustine grass. I set the world on fire, man. I had to, oh no, I'm burning the house down. I had to start getting leaves back from the house, get the water hoses out, get my sisters out there to help. My dad came home, it looked like a nuclear bomb had hit his yard. <laughs> Stuff steaming and smoldering, you know, and I'm just, oh man. My dad, it was, it was not good, you know. Some of y'all are like, you know, did your dad believe in spanking? He believed in whooping. It was a serious discipline moment. So I don't naturally have the ability to grow stuff, but I've become a little better. One of my passions is, as this year our word is grow, is for you to grow though. One of my passions is that people would grow, that they would develop. And I believe in this series, if you'll commit yourself to it, you can grow. And maybe you're like a gentleman this weekend already in one of our services who reached out to one of our pastors and said, I burned my marriage up. I, I've done some things and messed up and I don't, if, I don't know if there's any hope. And he's like, I'm not reaching my potential. I've burned this area of my life. If you've got some areas of your life that are scorched like my dad's grass, just know this, you're not weird. 
It happens naturally. Because human logic says, why rake them when you can burn them? And we burn stuff up just naturally. We destroy stuff naturally. It takes a different mindset. It takes some different intervention, some divine intervention that I'm going to show you to not burn things, but grow things. To cause things not to decay, but cause them to flourish is a totally different thing. That's what we're going to do over the next few weeks together. We're going to grow together. We're going to set a place in an environment that you, as I said last weekend, if you haven't seen the message, I encourage you to go watch it, where you look back on the stump rings of your tree, you look back on this year and there's a wide gap. How are we going to do it? I'm asking you to do two things. I'm asking you to get a guide. I'm so proud of our team. I want to say this. I don't know how we can keep meeting the standard. It's the best thing we've ever produced. It's done with great intentionality. See, we were thinking about you last summer because it was last summer that we started talking about this and praying about this and creating it. And because I pastor one of the most generous churches in America, we're giving them away to you. Now I'm asking you for it to not end up in the floorboard of your car. I'm asking for it not to just be something that you throw by the wayside. I'm asking you to use it Because if you'll use it, it's not the tool itself, it's the God that is in the words of the Bible who will grow you. So I'm asking you to get a guide and engage with it and use it. And I'm asking you to get in a group. Did you know for centuries, this is how Christian people have grown? That's that's how they grow is... I mean, of course you can YouTube a message. That's great. Of course you can listen to the word, but we grow in a significantly more powerful way when you're in a group, maybe an online group or an in-person group, and we talk about it and we confess our sins to one another, we share with one another, we talk about what we're struggling with and we pray for one another and we grow. So I want to encourage you to get a guide and I'm going to encourage you to get in a group. Now, I'm not speaking about theory here. Because we've been doing this for years. Why do we keep doing it as a church? I'll tell you why. Because I like to do what works. It works. People grow. We hear the testimonies. It just works. My wife, when we travel, she is always going to look at the reviews of the hotel. Why? She does not like bed bugs. And it'll be amazing. Jeff, we ain't going there. I'm like, why? There's bed bugs. Now, I've never seen a bed bug. I don't know if I've ever been bitten by a bed bug, just to be honest. I I don't even know. I'm not even scared of that. Like when I think about a hotel, I'm like, what about a bed bug? I don't even know what those are. She's real afraid of them. She's scared of them. And no offense, if your hotel has anything about bed bugs, people can sabotage people because if there's anything about bed bugs, the littles are not staying there because my wife does not like them. (laughs) It's amazing how now we love a reference to, have you had a good experience there? I mean, if I'm going to rent this house, will somebody tell me about those that rented it or tell me about where you've been? Or if you're going to do something that has high risk, you want somebody who's already done it before. Well, let me just be your reference. Let me be your Google reference. Let me be your Yelp. Let me be the place where you get the reference. I'm telling you, do it. It works. It's not any kind of new invention. It's just how Bible people have grown for years. So we're going to do it over the next few weeks together, and we're going to grow. I'm going to ask if you have your Bibles to turn with me to the book of Genesis, because you're like, we're talking about seeds for several weeks. Why would we talk about seeds? Well, 
There's ways to study the Bible. I love, like last fall, we studied Ephesians together. We've studied Philippians together. I love sometimes we'll just take a book of the Bible and study it together. Sometimes God will put something on my heart for you in an area of the Bible that I want to teach you about. Do you know another way to learn the Bible is there are themes in the Bible. We've studied mountains, we've studied storms, and right now we're going to study seeds. It's a big concept in the Bible. Did you know in Genesis chapter 1, God spoke plants, trees, and seeds into existence? In Genesis 1.29, he tells Adam, he says, look, I've spoke all this into existence and I've created these things and now I want you to watch over it. I want you to have a role and a responsibility in stewarding these things. It's a biblical principle that God calls us into participation. There's an element you'll learn today that's all about God and has nothing to do with you. But if you want to change some stuff that's burned up, then you've also got to understand you have a part to play that you can participate in the process because there's a concept called stewardship that's part of God's economy and the way he created the world. That there's a fruitfulness on the backside of understanding that we're a participant, not just an innocent bystander watching God do it all. In Genesis 8, 22, and we're gonna look at lots of seeds passages over the next few weeks, so bear with me, I'm not giving you all of them today. But Genesis 8, 22 sets the foundation because you see God set the seed plan in motion. He told Adam to watch over it. And I know in my own quiet time, I'm reading through the Bible. If you've never done that, it's great to read it in continuity. I've done it six, seven, eight, ten, ten times. I'm doing it again this year. And in my own quiet time, it's amazing when you get back in Genesis, you're like, God sets it in motion. Everything's good. They're walking with God. And then somebody sets the leaves on fire. Stuff starts burning. Finally, God says, they're so evil. He calls on Noah to build an ark. And I'm just reading along and it's amazing that before the fall, he gave the seeds plan. He tells Noah, in fact, bring the animals and bring the seed. And you know how you're reading the Bible and it just jumps off the page because I've been thinking about this. And he said, get some seed because I want to preserve the seed. The seed was separated from the judgment of the flood because the seed, according to Genesis 8, 22, as long as the earth endures, seed time, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. This is a principle that as long as we're on the earth, God has put in play. Now I realize some of you are thinking, of course, we're just talking about natural plants and trees and seeds. But the truth is God's setting a principle in motion. As you study Genesis, the principle of first mention, this is the first time it's mentioned. It is tied to the practical seeds, but it's also a spiritual principle that is used throughout the Bible. So we're going to talk about it over the next few weeks together. Did you know I heard about there's actually a vault in Norway. I was thinking about the ark and the preservation of the seed. There's a vault in Norway in the mountain where there's been preserved 935,000 different species and subspecies of seeds. In case the world kind of comes to an end, there are these people 
who have now preserved the seeds so that we can replant the seeds and their seeds going away and different subspecies of the seeds and rice and different ones. And so they put it all in there. Kind of fascinating that there's this place up by the Arctic where they're preserving seeds. But I even thought about something amazing as I read the article is that not just are they preserving seed because they know if the seed's preserved, then the other things that come from the seed will be preserved. But I was amazed by the reality that their biggest challenge, because I'm kind of fascinated by, wait a minute, in the mountain vault, seeds in there, interesting. Their number one challenge is keeping them from growing. Isn't that interesting? Like they can't, if they grow, then they don't have seeds anymore. But you know what seeds do? They grow. That's what they're made to do. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how the different seeds that God has for us are going to help us grow. Why are we talking about seeds, by the way? I want to belabor the point for a minute so that you think about this. This week is an introductory week where I want to talk to you about the potential of seeds, get you thinking about the biblical concept of seeds. Next week, I'm going to get more practical and we're going to talk about the process of how it works, how it, how it literally works by God's design. In the third week, we'll launch our small groups and we'll get started in the journey. But here's a few thoughts. Seeds are important to God. They're important to him. The next thing is seeds, they grow into certain things. In fact, you may not have known this, but you might think, what's the third most common noun in the Bible behind God and people? I, I don't know. I mean, you could have all kinds of spiritual words that could come to mind, but the third most common noun outside of God and people is trees. The garden starts with a tree. Revelation ends with a tree. And trees are all the way through the Bible. And trees come from seeds. And seeds are produced by trees. It's part of God's process. Jesus loves parables. We're going to look at a lot of parables in this series. Next week, I'm going to start off with a famous Jesus story from a parable. You know why Jesus likes parables? Because parables hide the truth from arrogant people who don't want to grow. Religious people. But hungry people get the concept. So Jesus taught all the time in parables. He loves parables and many of his parables feature seeds. But here's the main two reasons we're going to study seeds. Number one, God calls his word a seed. Isaiah 55. His word is a seed. I grew up in a home where my mom, I, I wasn't much into raking and fixing stuff, but I was real good at eating, really good. And my mom can throw down. She knows how to cook. My mom can outcook your mom, just bottom line. <laughs> she has a cooking blog. And that's good that she liked to cook because I like to eat. So my mom would cook up a meal and somewhere around seven or eight years old, I don't know who developed the program, but somebody kind of developed this idea of getting the word of God into families. And some of you back in that tradition that I grew up, you may have done this, but there was a bread loaf and it was called the daily bread. And in this little plastic bread loaf was a bunch of scriptures. And my mom started setting down a rule that we couldn't dig in and eat this good meal unless we read a scripture. Did you know some of those scriptures that I read as a kid right there before our meal, just reading that scripture, thinking about that scripture are some of the ones I still have memorized today? You know why? The word of God is a seed. It never returns void. 
When you put it in your heart, it begins to change you. It begins to germinate. It begins to grow inside of you. Young families, get the word of God in your kid's heart. You can give them all kinds of principles and all kinds of opportunities, but it's the word of God that will change them. You got to get it in them. My mom was always quoting that one. Hide your word in Jeff's heart that he may not sin against thee. Because I was good at that. You know what I'm saying? Amazing how the word brings conviction. The word brings change. The word of God is a seed. Next, most important, his son Jesus is a seed. We're going to learn that one week. You're going to see. It's so exciting to think about. John 12 says, unless a seed goes in the ground and dies. So this isn't just some kind of principle. This is actually a powerful, most important main theme of the whole Bible. The whole Bible's about Jesus, and the Bible says, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies. Can can I say something on this first week to every person listening to me? If you don't have the death, burial, and resurrection, see, Jesus did not stay a dead seed in a field, but he came back to life. If you don't have the seed of what Jesus brings to your field, I know we live in a world that's like, well, I kind of got some good stuff in my field. I haven't burned it all up. The Bible says your field is dead without Jesus. There's nothing that will last. And make no mistake, life and time will yield and produce and show whether or not your field has fruit that remains. We learned that this last year. Some people were like, ha, man, my field burned up. You know why? You didn't have anything in there that was eternal. Jesus, though, when he comes to your dead field, he brings real life, real fruit, real eternal truth. So the whole story is Jesus is a seed that dies and comes in to our lives, and we're going to learn that. But I want to also be very clear because I'm excited about this, and some of you may think, okay, wait a minute, this is just like New Year's resolution kind of self-help philosophy, and Maybe someone may ask you, why are y'all studying seeds? You know, and you could, like, we get a little weird sometimes in church. You know, it's like I hear people, we're going to unlock the power of the seed. Get weird eyes. At our church, we're unlocking the power of the seed. It's like the secret seed code. We're getting the password to the seed. We're going to unlock the seed. You're weird. It's like the guy I heard about who bought the Bitcoin. I don't know if you've seen this article. He bought Bitcoin, put it in a digital wallet. It's worth 200 and something million dollars. He forgot the password. He's guessed eight times. Do you only get 10? He actually came out with another article and said, well, I've kind of gotten over it. You know, it's not that big a deal if I... Really? Come on. Seriously? You expect us to believe that? You don't even believe in Jesus. You're like, give me the password. Give me the password. Help me, Brown, please. We're not looking for some secret password. Because the truth is the whole seed concept is about connection with God and cooperation with God. The seed principle of the Bible is meant to make us more dependent on the God who created the entire thing. 
So I want to encourage you. This is a relational journey. Now, I understand there are principles in the Bible that people who don't even know God cooperate with sometimes because they are principles. But to really fully understand God's intention and desire, we have to be connected to him. Our desire is to connect to him. And my desire for you is that you don't just grab some concept or formula. We're prone to that in our culture. But you really get connected to God because he can show you his intentions and desires. And really, if you only get the formula, then you've grabbed some static concept, but you don't have the long-term change. Brandy and I first got married. See, my grandmother, she knew how to plant stuff. My grandmother, man, she could grow stuff. If I had a science deal, we've all had it, where they said, you got to get certain leaves. I went to my grandmother's house. She had like 20-something fruit trees. She always had a garden. She was always planting some rare plant of some sort, and I would just go to her house. And so she had a garden. My dad had a garden, and Brandy and I got first married in Central Texas. I was a 21-year-old pastor, and lived in the parsonage. You don't know what that is. That's where they trap the pastor, keep him caged up. The phone's connected to that house. And my dad got a new tiller. He gave me his tiller, hand tiller. He said, here, Jeff, you need this. I said, Why do I need that? He said, well, you know, you might need it. So I thought, man, I looked at that. I put some gas and oil in it and went and I said, Brandy, we're married now. You know, we're real adults. We can do adult stuff. Let's plant a garden. She said, okay. We went out in the back of the parsonage Boom, 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 that Central Texas black dirt, plowed it up. Brandy got like a real garden planting outfit, a bonnet or something, you know, a big hat, some gloves. I went down to the store, we got some seed, we planted all the seed, man, we were fired up, made the little rows and stuff. This really happened. Now we're waiting for something to grow. Remember, I don't grow stuff, I burn stuff. Someone told me, he said, you need to put some fertilizer on it. And there was a place that grew like hothouse tomatoes and they had this special kind of fertile dirt. So a guy in the church took his truck and came over and brought me some fertilizer. We put it on the garden. The problem was it had nut grass in the dirt. And that stuff grows like wildfire, you know, like not long. We didn't have any fruit, but we had lots of weeds. So went out there and weeded it. One time it came back. I said, forget it. We'll buy the tomatoes. So I knew people that know how to grow stuff. My grandmother, my dad, I didn't know how to grow it myself. If we've learned one thing in this last calendar year, the content of someone who knows how to grow stuff is a lot different than you actually knowing how to grow something in your own life. You actually knowing how to plant the right things. We want to explore that over the next few weeks. Why would you connect in the last few moments? Why would I connect potential to seeds. Seeds are all about potential. The seed, number one, has potential whether you plant it or not. The potential's in it whether you want to access it or not. Seeds are all about potential. Do you know there are wheat seeds 3,000 years old that were in some pyramid or stored somewhere in Egypt that still grow? The seed requires the right environment to realize its potential. That's what this is all about. Why do we put so much work into creating environments for you? Because seeds need the right environment. They've got the ability to grow. They need water. They need oxygen. They need the right temperature. They need to be the right place. I've said it for years. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You show me where you spend your time, what environment you concentrate on, then I'll show you what the fruit of your life is. The environment is important to the seed. 
The next thing is that seeds require time, though, to reach their potential. If you want to change your tomorrow, then you have to start today, but you have to stay with it. There's some of you, you've got some burned areas of your life, and it's not because you've never planted anything. You just didn't through faith and patience. You gave up too quick. You're like my youngest daughter. She had their recent, we've all had that experiment, right, where they give you a little cup and they teach you about germination and she put a little seed in there and we put a little water on it. You set it on the windowsill and the next morning she's over there going, has it grown, has it grown, has it grown? And go back the next day, has it grown, has it grown? It takes time, it takes time. And then eventually if the right environment is there, boop, grows a little something. It takes time, it's not instant, so... The seed can reach its potential if you have time. Here's the next thing, and I want to spend my final moments talking about this, and that is some seeds lay dormant while others flourish and grow. How do we realize our potential? It's fascinating to me, quite honestly, as my passion in life is to help people grow, to help people win, help people really apply the Bible in their real life, that this thing really works, that your Christianity really works. It's fascinating to me why... Some seeds lay dormant somewhere, why some people reach their potential and other people don't reach their potential. I know there's a narrative out there in the world today that, well, you know, it's like, well, the people that reach it are the people who had this or had that opportunity. No, there's people with the most opportunity that are the most dormant. I, I tell you, I've pastored people over 25 years, and there are people that should absolutely be bitter and the most mean people you've ever met, yet they're full of joy and peace. I see people who reach their potential in areas and come from broken families and broken backgrounds and have great marriages and great families. I, I tell you, I believe it's the growth principle related to the seed. Somewhere along the way, they, un, they began to understand that in God's world, we all have the same access to the seed of the word of God, to the seed Jesus Christ, to these principles, and they just started planting. If I could just give you one thing today, I don't have time to give you 10. When it comes to potential, the potential in this seed right here, the potential in the person, Jesus Christ, that can come to get in your field and start to take up root and grow. The people that I see reach their potential are people who focus on the seed and not the fruit. They focus on the seed and not the fruit. If you focus on the seed and you like to plant, see, that's one thing I learned about people that grow stuff. They like all of it. They like the planting and the watering and the digging, and that's why I can't grow anything because I, I don't like any of it. They just like to plant and water and grow and develop, and they don't live frustrated because they focus on the seed and not the fruit. People who focus on the fruit are always frustrated. We have a world focused on everybody else's garden. How'd they get that? Why are they doing that? Wonder what happened to get them that. They had a cheat to get that. What did they do? See, people that are planters, they don't really care about everybody else's garden. They don't spend a lot of time focused on what somebody else is planting because they're so busy planting and watering and growing and developing. And I'll tell you this, it's true. They are actually surprised at their own fruit. 
People that are fruit conscious are like, when can I be successful? When can I be famous? When will it happen? When will I get promoted? Ah! People that are planters are like, are you kidding me? Wow. Oh my goodness. Really? They actually need someone to tell them, you got a lot of fruit in your garden. Really? I'm going to go back to planting. I'm just going to go back to planting. They focus on the seed and the stewardship of the seed and what God's called them to do with the seed he's given them. And they know that if I don't like the fruit in my marriage, maybe I need to plant some seed. If I don't like the fruit in my kids, maybe I need to plant some seed and learn this about our culture. We want the fruit of seed we don't plant. We plant to our promotion. We plant to our 401k, but we want our kids to share our faith. But we don't ever bring them to church. We don't plant the word of God in their heart. We have no family devotionals. We pray for a crop failure. We pray for something else. See, when you align the seed with the environment, the fruit takes care of itself. The fruit starts to happen because that's God's job. See, we, we plant and we water and we nurture and we connect with the one who designed the whole thing, but God causes the growth. God causes the growth. Here's how it works. Seeds, they go in the ground. They get a little water, a little time. They sprout a little tree. They get a little more water, then they become a little sapling, and then they become a tree that has fruit on it. In the same way, the Bible compares this, you'll see it over time, the Bible compares this to our thoughts. See, our thoughts become an idea in our head. This is why the enemy utilizes the mechanisms from which he can influence the fears, emotions, desires, and thoughts of people today. Because if he can lodge you with a thought that is contrary to this word, he can get that seed in your thought process, which will then become an idea. It's not that big a deal. It's no, you, he can get you to believe something that's a lie, that'll influence your actions, that'll change the result. See, the results all started back here, and we're going to learn this in the series. A lot of the seeds, the Bible is there to renew the mind. The Bible there is there to wash. As soon as they go to the church, they'll brainwash you. You need your brain washed. You need to get washed with this word right here. Because it changes what you do, what you're convicted about. You do what you believe. And so it changes as you begin to plant the right seeds, the right thoughts. It becomes ideas. The ideas then become beliefs and actions and results follow. James 1 says, but each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived... Conceived, that's the seed. We've been talking about the areas of planting type seed, but you know, there's human seed. And we're going to learn in this, the reason Jesus could redeem us is he was not born of human seed. That's why he was born of a virgin, because he came from a different seed to become a new Adam of a new seed so that we could be redeemed through Jesus Christ. So it says here, there's seed involved when it gets conceived inside of you. It then gives birth to sin and sin when it's full grown gives birth 
to death, but it all started at the desire, at the emotional level, at the thought level, and it just grew. I want to give you this final story of my own life, and then I want to pray for you. My own life, I saw this in an area I care about, but had to learn to grow in being more intentional in. The truth is, people ask me all the time, Pastor Jeff, how do you do what you do? Pastor that church. Pastoring a church is child's play compared to parenting. Y'all are looking at me crazy. I know you know that's true. Parenting is where there's no pain like kid pain. And those people are complex that God gives you. I felt like I was a pretty good little kid parent, by the way. Some of you young people are like, help me. My kid, my two-year-old's a tyrant. He's controlling the whole house. Parenting little people is really real simple. You just got to figure out who's in charge. Who's in charge? I'm bigger than you. Bottom line. I got a badge. I got a gun. I'm, I'm the police here. I'm in charge. You know what I'm saying? There are people that they just hadn't figured out. Well, could you help me with my two-year-old? The only problem is they come to my house, respect me, still be disrespectful to you. Just got to figure out who's in charge. People, they say... We don't believe in spanking. We can tell. We know you don't have to tell us. We know you don't. Appreciate your new ideas, but do you like your kids? Oh, we love our kids. Does anybody else like your kids? I felt like I was kind of getting halfway okay with little kids, but the problem is you got to change what you plant when they start getting 13, 14, 15 years old because now you got to start adjusting. If you only use that one move, you've got to learn to not just zig, you got to zag a little bit and pull them around on your side of the table a little bit and start building a team with them. If you only use the former method, you breed rebellion because... Rules without relationship breeds rebellion. So I had to invest different. I had to change my game a little bit. I have to honestly tell you, I'm not that smart. God put me around some people who helped me. I got a few, little bit, and it's not a formula. I will say this, if you have, remember this is dependency on God. If you'll just keep the right heart, Lord, I just want to steward, I just want to, he'll put the stuff around you to help you change your game if you're open. And I had a moment with my oldest daughter. I've shared it also with my 16-year-old daughter, Lauren Elizabeth, as well. But I learned it first with my oldest daughter. We went away for a week together where it was a moment where we focused. And by the way, that, that's kind of awkward, you know? You're like, well, it's your kid. But, you know, by yourself, with your, it's just like sit down with your kid for like an hour and look each other in the eyes. You'd be like, hey, what you doing? Huh? It's a little... So we were kind of learning how to do this, learning how to plant something different. I spent that week planting something different, planting seed I didn't plant before. Different plant, different seed. And I'll never forget this. We spent some time over the Christmas break, me and my kids, we always spend time between Christmas and New Year's and we studied a little bit about legacy and we spent some time, we'd sometimes do a chapter of the Bible. We had some, some, some conversations. And my daughter brought this up actually. 
I remember we were walking down a path toward the end of the week. <laughs> We'd spent the week together. And uh, I was like, man, I, it, it, you know when you start planting new seed, it feels weird sometimes. I'm like, I don't know if I'm getting through. And we were just walking along and she just reached over and grabbed my hand. I told her that this, this Christmas. I said, that may seem like a little thing, but he told me, hey, Dad, we're on the same team. Because, see, you got to be teammates with your teenagers. I'm in charge. Try that for a little bit. <laughs> got to be teammates. But it started with planting a different seed. In your marriage, with your team, with your friendships. You're like, I have no friends. Well, come get in a group, go to 101, get connected, get, plant some different seeds. I want my kids to grow spiritually. Then don't go to the lake house all year. They need the house of God. Well, we'll plant some different seeds. My wife is kind of cold. Plant some new seeds. Plant some new seeds. Try a little bit different. Quit trying to turn her into someone else and be critical of her and start affirming her. Start watering that rose a little bit. It'll grow. It'll open up. Plant some different seeds. I'm going to ask you this question. If you plant cucumbers, you get what? Plant tomatoes, you get? Plant oranges, you get? You plant nothing, you get weeds. You get nut grass and then you just go, forget it. The garden is toast. Plant the right seed. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray for one person listening to me. Dead, dormant field. They don't know what life is. Things have burned. I pray, Lord, they would make the decision to accept you, Jesus. In fact, wherever you're at, you can just simply say, Jesus, here I am. I receive you today as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe you died for me. You're that seed that went into the ground, died for me, rose from the dead. I want to have a relationship with you. If you prayed that prayer, we want to help you grow. Come to 101. I'd love to see you there. We'll help you take some steps. Maybe whatever it is, fill out a connection card. If you're online, let us know. We want to help you grow. The second of all, Lord, I pray over the next few weeks, you're going to show us how we have become so fruit conscious, we've missed the power of cooperating with you and planting the right things. You're going to show us some new things, Lord, in this series through your word. I pray that every person under the sound of my voice would just, not out of religious legalism and rote activity, we're not trying to get a formula or a principle, but Lord, we just give you our lives for the next few weeks. Reveal yourself to us in a new and fresh way as we position ourselves to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.